Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've joined us. Funding for schools, roads, and many other state services took a real hit during this year's budget negotiations in Lansing. The governor and legislators have been wrangling over how to apportion the state's revenue among competing priorities. But for years now, we have been talking about how the pie, the revenue pie, could grow bigger so that the competition among things we care about could be less brutal. Governor Rick Snyder talked a lot about growing that pie But, of course, he took big chunks out of it for the things he cared about, mostly tax cuts. But what if we decided, really decided, to make that revenue pie bigger? My next guest writes in Bridge Magazine that if we want to fix our infrastructure, if we want to fix schools, local governments, and all the other broken things in this state, we probably have to raise taxes. That's where we want to begin the conversation today with the idea that we just don't generate enough money to do all of the things that we need to do and want to do here in the state of Michigan. And of course, we want to hear from you. Would you be willing to pay more in taxes if it meant we could fix our schools, our roads, local governments and other services? Why or why not? And if you're against the idea of paying more in taxes, what do you think we ought to be doing to fix the things that need to be fixed here? What do you think of a graduated income tax shifting more the burden, for instance, onto wealthier state residents? As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work you into the conversation. And joining us now to talk more about taxes here in Michigan is Ron Fisher. He is a Michigan State University professor of economics, and he is the author of that piece in Bridge Magazine. Recently, it is titled, Is It Time to Raise Taxes in Michigan? Ron Fisher, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, Good morning, Mr. Henderson. It's a pleasure to join you. I must say, uh, you're fearless to start a bright uh, uh, Monday morning talking about the exciting topic of taxes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we'll get right to it. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, one of the things that I, I always think of when we talk about taxes and raising taxes here is the fact that our total budget here in the state of Michigan is more than $50 billion. And that sounds like a very big number that should be able to fund the most important things, at least, that state government does. So given that we're bringing in at least that much money, why do we have a problem funding the things that we care about? Well, I think one way to think of the issue is that uh, the revenue that state government has comes from partly from taxes, partly from funds from the federal government, partly from fees and charges uh, that are levied by governments, not just the state government, but local governments as well, and partly from uh, monies that are borrowed. But of course, borrowed monies have to be paid back. But I think the, the most interesting way to think about it is how large those taxes and fees are relative to the total income that we have in the state, because it's really income that drives uh, the demand for public services. And so if income goes up, people want more or better public services, and revenue has to go up to match that. And what we found in our research is that uh, taxes in Michigan simply have not kept pace with income 
uh, for 50 years. We have the lowest effective tax rate in Michigan right now that we've had in more than 50 years. And by that, by what I mean by that is all taxes, income taxes, sales taxes, gasoline taxes, tobacco taxes, property taxes, all taxes by all levels of government, the state government, your school district, your city, the county, add them all up and divide them by total income in the state, and we are at the lowest level of taxation in, in more than 50 years. You have to go back to the mid-1960s to find a, a, a place where taxes are this low. So simply put, the tax system and the political system of Michigan have not had revenue keep pace with income, and income is really what drives our demand for government services. Hmm. So would you consider Michigan a high-tax state then? There are a lot of people who say, look, we're, we're not a low-tax state. We're not a state where there is room to raise taxes without really having an impact on people's wallets. Is that the right way to be looking at things? Well, I, I don't think so, actually. Uh, the, uh, by this measure, the overall effective tax rate, total taxes divided by income, Michigan is relatively low in our, in our tax measure. I think the number is that we're something like uh, 31st or 32nd in terms of uh, our, our level of taxation. So it's, it's really uh, not a case that taxes are really high uh, compared to other states. And even more interestingly, I think our tax rate is lower than all of our competitive states here in the Midwest, except for one case, Indiana. And that's Indiana's tax rate's almost identical to Michigan's, a little bit lower. Every other Midwestern state, Ohio, Illinois, Minnesota, Wisconsin, they all have higher tax rates than Michigan does. So tax rates in Michigan are really are relatively low. And over a long period of time, they've simply been falling. And so I think that's part of the reason why we have such a, a budget issue in Michigan. As you said, there's so much competition between different uh, services for the available revenues because the available revenues may not just be large enough uh, to fund the services that we all want. So the Michigan Advance reported over the summer that three-quarters of the people in the state support the idea of a graduated income tax, and they think that will address our revenue problems. First of all, explain to our listeners what that means and how it would work, uh, and then talk about how something like that might happen. Well, a graduated income tax is one where the tax rate you pay increases when your income increases. So the federal personal income tax is a graduated uh, income tax. So the rates vary from you know, 10% to almost 40%, not quite 40% now. Uh, in Michigan, we have what's called a flat rate income tax. So there's a constant rate. Regardless of your income, you pay a constant rate. Most other states that have uh, income taxes have graduated rate income taxes. But in Michigan, there's a constitutional uh, provision that says the income tax rate cannot be graduated. So uh, in order to change that, we would have to amend the state constitution. But a number of people think that it might be a reasonable thing to do. Uh, one of the things that graduated income taxes, uh, one of the effects they have is that when income goes up, 
people move into higher tax rate brackets, and therefore the tax generates higher tax revenue to support those higher demands for services. So the revenue rises with income. And that doesn't happen uh, with the kind of flat rate income tax that we have now. So that's a reason uh, some people think that a graduated income tax would modernize uh, the Michigan uh, tax structure. Mm. And and we would have to vote on that as a uh uh, people, in other yeah, words, yeah. There's a complicated. I, I, you're a little, I'm a little bit out of my element here, but there's a there's a complicated process for amending the the state constitution, and uh, it, it can either start in the legislature or start by initiative, and then it has to go to a vote of the people, just as we amended the constitution in the last election about uh, the redistricting process. So it would be a similar kind of process that would have to be uh, uh, undertaken in order to change the income tax structure in Michigan. Mm. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Ron Fisher, Michigan State University professor of economics. He wrote an op-ed in Bridge Magazine recently titled, Is It Time to Raise Taxes in Michigan? That's what we're talking about this hour, uh, the tax picture here in the state of Michigan, the revenue pie that we have, that we wrangle over every year to decide which priorities can be funded and which priorities cannot. Would we do better in that process if we just had more money to begin with, if we raised taxes and made that pie larger? That's something that many people have talked about here in the state of Michigan. They've had lots of different ways of doing it. Maybe the way to do it is just to raise taxes instead of trying to find that money elsewhere. What do you think about that? What would you do if you were in control of state government and wanted to find more money for schools, for roads, for local governments, other state services? Would you raise taxes? And I want to hear from you also about how this would impact you at the sort of kitchen table financial decisions that you make. Are you paying taxes in in a sufficient amount now that you wouldn't be able to pay more? Do you feel as though if we raised taxes, you would not be able to keep up with the things that you need to do in your household? Let us know what you would do. Let us know whether you would pay more taxes or whether you would put up with the things that we have right now, schools that are underfunded, roads that are in absolutely horrible shape, local governments that can't make their budgets consistently. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and uh, put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's start with Matt in Pontiac. Matt. Welcome to Detroit uh, today. Thank you, Stephen. How are you? All right, good. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I I'm raising taxes. Um, I, I I think we're silly to think that everything else in our life costs more, and and, and to think that we shouldn't have to raise taxes at some point uh, to keep up with uh, the cost of doing all the things we want to do. I think it's it's, it's silly not to consider that. Um, my only concern, and I think a lot of people have the same concern too, is is the uh, efficiency with which we're spending the money. Seems like every time more money comes in, you hear about it being sloshed around, and things don't always end up where they're supposed to go. And I think that's what I would want to be reassured: is if, if you're going to raise the taxes, let's make sure that that money is actually going toward these projects. Hmm. Uh, Matt, that's a complaint I hear quite a bit that people fear that if they give the government more money. 
They'll spend it on things other than what they say that they were going to spend it on, and they'll come back later and ask for even more to try to fill the holes. Ron Fisher, talk about how you deal with that issue and talk about the way we spend money here in Michigan. Is it inherently inefficient? Are there ways that we could get bigger bang for our bucks? Well, the the first question, how to tie uh, revenue to particular services, that's actually done quite a bit. In, in the state government budget and in the local government budget. So particular parts of, the, of, of our revenue structure, tax revenue, are dedicated, for example, to fund roads. Another part of our revenue structure is dedicated to fund uh, uh, K through 12 schools. So you can do that in the, the tax structure and require that those particular funds are allocated to particular purposes. And local governments do that as well. And so I think, you know, that's something that I think has been discussed in state government, uh, a lot of people uh, thought about whatever revenue sources used to generate funds to repair the roads and improve our transportation system, that those funds be dedicated to that purpose. And a large fraction of the state budget is actually done that way. In fact, some people think too much of the state budget is done that way because it provides uh, too little flexibility for the legislature and the governor in any one year. But that's a common system to require that particular services are spent in a particular way. You know, the idea that that funds aren't spent efficiently is a common uh, criticism of government. But sometimes it simply is the idea that government isn't spending money on those things that I want. But of course, as, as, a, as a, a state with a hugely diverse population, we have a lot of different services that we'd like government to provide, not just transportation and uh, K-12 schools, but higher education and health care and the environment. So there's a whole set of things that government has to do. It, it, actually, if you look at the state government budget and just look at how, what fraction of the budget goes to administration, it's remarkably low. It's only four or five cents on the dollar that goes to administration. So most of what state government is spending, and local governments even to a greater degree, are going directly to the services that all of us use uh, almost every day. Okay. Again, thanks, Matt and Pontiac, very much for the call and the provocative comments. Uh, Let's go to Mike in Chesterfield. Mike, welcome to the show. Hi there. How are you doing, Stephen? Good. How are you? Good. Hopefully you guys had a good weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, wanted to talk about per capita spending in each state. And uh, in Michigan, in comparison to most other states, including in the Midwest, is one of the higher states uh, in regards to our population and what our state government is actually spending the money on. So while your guest talks about uh, how we're not taxed very high compared to the other states, but we're also spending far more than a lot of the other ones. A good example is to look at Illinois and how... They are actually the only state in the Midwest to lose population in the last decade, and they have the highest per capita spending rate. And they, they're, they're losing population, and their citizens are feeling this burden of the state government spending pretty much the treasure of the people. Hmm. So the, the real question is, you know, the state of Michigan has over a $50 billion budget why why is it that we need to uh, have higher taxes to increase that budget even more yeah if this is mike this that's is a we have. yeah mike that's a great that's a really great question uh ron fisher there are two sides to this equation one is what you tax the other is what you spend mike is suggesting that we already spend a lot in uh in 
tax revenue here in the state of Michigan on on services, on infrastructure, on schools. Is that the problem rather than what we're bringing in? And how does that compare to other states? Well, Mike is exactly right that if you focus just on the state government, per capita spending in Michigan is only a little bit lower than it was uh, at the start of this century, but not has fallen radically. What I was focusing on is not just the state government alone, but all the governments in Michigan, including all of the local governments that provide so many crucial services that we consume every day, our school districts, our cities, our counties. And all of, they also receive money through the state government. So combining all the governments tells a little bit of a different story. The other important point, I think, to keep in mind, though, is that one of the ways to uh, keep spending up the way we've been able to do it in Michigan, even with low taxes, is that we've gotten a, a large amount of, of support from the federal government, actually an increasing amount of support from the federal government. Now, a lot of that money is related to health care. It's support for Medicaid. It's allowed the state to expand Medicaid as part of the Affordable Care Act to provide uh, health care uh, insurance for a larger number of people. It's very important in Michigan. I think the latest number is about one in seven Michigan residents receives health care funding through the Medicaid program. So increasing federal support is one of the ways we've been able to maintain uh, spending, uh, even though we have low taxes, but that's dedicated to a particular area, to health care. The other way we've done it And the thing you've seen increase in Michigan are fees and charges. So we can fund government out of fees and charges instead of taxes. And probably the best example of that is my own industry, uh, public higher education. Public universities don't receive nearly the support from the tax structure that they did in the past. So how did they respond? They raised tuition. Hmm. So students and families are paying. They're just paying through tuition rather than taxes. But other parts of the state uh, of our government services are not so easily funded with fees and charges. You can't really do that for K-12 through education. And we really can't do that for the roads in Michigan because we don't have any toll roads uh, that are common in many other states. So, yes, we've used uh, increasing federal government support. We've used uh, increasing fees and charges in those places when we can to try to continue to provide government services. But that's really limited. And now we're sort of stuck with the problem, what do we do next? Mm. Uh, Thanks, Mike, very much for the call and the info there. Let's go to Bernadette in Redford. Good morning, Stephen. Finally, the um, show I have been waiting for. (laughs) Is that right? (laughs) Uh, I want to know, what did we get in return for the half-billion-dollar tax cut that the Snyder administration gave to businesses? With that money, we could pay for expanded health care and rebuilt roads and quality water and schools and libraries. What do we get in exchange for that giant giveaway? Bernadette, that is a wonderful question, and uh, I will gently correct you. It was not a half billion dollars. It was one point eight billion dollars, the tax cut that Rex Snyder pushed through the legislature in the, the early days of his first term. Ron Fisher, talk about how business taxes play into this equation. We have been for years saying if you give business a little more room to operate, cut their taxes, somehow that will generate more revenue, more tax revenue, because their businesses will grow. Of course, that was eight or ten years ago now that we did that, and we're back in the same position where there's not enough money. Is the approach there something we need to look at and change the way we think about it? 
Well, I think the way economists think about this issue is that the economy of the state, or in fact, the economy of any state, but particularly Michigan, uh, is driven mostly by things that are going on outside of the state of Michigan, what's going on nationally and what's going on internationally. And uh, our own fiscal policies, Michigan taxes, have really a very small effect on how the economy in the state uh, uh, grows or develops. And so we have an economy we know is heavily dependent historically on the automobile industry. Interest rates uh, greatly affect the automobile industry, but interest rates are controlled uh, nationally by the Federal Reserve System. And, as the, and, and now we've seen uh, with the issues about international trade, how that can cause such a problem for segments of our economy, including uh, agriculture, which is another big part of Michigan's economy. So what happens to Michigan's economy historically has been driven mostly by what's going on in the nation and uh, uh, internationally, which is driven by federal government policies and by the actions of the Federal Reserve, more so than uh, the effect of uh, individual taxes in our state. The, the research says that tax effects on state economic development are relatively small. On the other side of the coin, it could be that better public services would actually attract more businesses and more economic development into the state as well. In, in, the, in the debate over the last year when Amazon was looking for a new headquarters, it came out that the one thing Amazon was looking for was a, a highly skilled, talented labor force rather than uh, low taxes. So the, the tax effects on the state economy, I think, are relatively small. And we like to think that as a state we can control our economy, but the fact of the matter is that that's really driven by forces outside of our control. So, so when a governor, for instance, says, I'm going to give a big tax break to business as a way of growing the revenue pie here, it, it, it doesn't make sense from your standpoint then because- It does in some cases. There are certain instances where uh, tax subsidies for businesses can be very effective, where those uh, those decisions are really on the margin. They're really trying to decide about Michigan compared to another place. Uh, and so individual cases, it can matter. But overall, I think the evidence is that these external forces are relatively more important, that they drive the economy more so than the overall tax rate in, 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 in Michigan or in any state for that matter. Okay. Ron Fisher, Michigan State University professor of economics, author of a recent op-ed in Bridge Magazine titled, Is It Time to Raise Taxes in Michigan? It was really great to have you with us here on Detroit Today. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much. Right. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk with Republican communication strategist John Selleck about what he thinks of the idea of raising taxes here in Michigan and about all the latest state and national political news. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. We want to continue to hear from you about whether we ought to be raising taxes and on whom here in Michigan. Tom in Northwest Detroit, Ryan in Chesterfield, John in Windsor, Vernon in Auburn Hills. We'll get to you next. We also have lots of comments on social media that will work into the conversation as well. Stay with us on Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, 
Thanks for tuning in. We are talking this hour about taxes here in the state of Michigan, the revenue pie that each year we seem to fight bitterly over to fund all of the priorities in state government. We just saw that process play out in Lansing as the legislature and the governor tried to come to agreement about spending for the 2019-2020 budget. There were a lot of casualties of that debate, though. Lots of things that came up short for what they need or what people would like for them to have because the the revenue pie here in the state just doesn't seem to grow in with any consistency or with any substance over time. Is the answer to that raising taxes, putting more money into that revenue pie each year so that there's more to go to each of the priorities that we think are important? Or are you someone who thinks there's plenty of money already in Lansing? They just need to spend it more wisely, a little better, maybe a little more frugally, and we could have all of the things we want with the money that we are now spending. We want to hear from you about how you would approach this issue. Would you raise taxes in Michigan? Would you consider a graduated income tax, for instance, that would shift some of the burden to wealthy Michiganders. We had a caller, Bernadette, in the first segment who asked about business taxes. We gave businesses in this state a $1.8 billion tax break at the beginning of Rick Snyder's first term as governor. That was supposed to help grow the pie for revenue. It was supposed to generate more business for those businesses, thus more taxes to go into state government. Obviously, that hasn't happened, at least not in the way that it was promised. So should we consider raising taxes on businesses as a way to counteract that? As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work you into the conversation. And joining us now to talk more about taxes and other things in state and national politics is John Selleck. He is president and CEO of Harbor Strategic Public Affairs. He worked for Attorneys General Mike Cox and Bill Schuette for Governor Engler and in the Michigan legislature. John, welcome to Detroit Today. I just like to know oh, what you hat go. you're wearing today. <laughs> what, what hat I have on today? That's right. uh, I, I always wear the same hat, John. It's always a tiger's hat. It, it may be of a different vintage, but it is always a tiger's hat. And today I'm actually rocking the 68 tiger's hat, which is my new favorite, uh, that, that weird-looking tiger in the circle. Um, so, <laughs> so, but it. if you were here in the studio, you would you would know you would be able to see me. I'm it's really glad I'm really glad uh, you've joined us. It's good to hear your voice. Let's start with this idea of raising taxes in Michigan. You are someone who's worked on the Republican side of the aisle for a long time here in Michigan. You've seen a number of different attempts to try to raise revenue by cutting taxes, mostly we're still in the same position that we have always been in. It never seems to work. So are you ready to consider the idea of raising taxes in Michigan, for instance, to pay for roads or raising taxes so that we have more money for schools or for higher ed, an area where we are not keeping pace with the way that other states are investing in their colleges and universities? John, are you coming over to the side that uh, Democrats have been on for a long time saying that we just need more. Look, I've always been in favor of raising your taxes, Stephen. I think, um, <laughs> I think most people are in favor of that. that. <laughs> I think it's important to talk about what is the, the art of the possible. 
the I'm not going to try to out professor the professor, but he's got an endless list of stats, and so do you about various levels of taxation and what's in the general fund compared to 15 years ago. And the the problem with all that is it may be true that taxation is generally lower, but that's not what people generally feel like. And I think the gas tax really should it should open the eyes of a lot of people in Lansing about what work needs to be done if they were to do something to raise investment in a particular function of government. Um, the governor is a pretty talented person, pretty talented salesperson. She invested her entire first year in office out trying to sell that package, and it was a complete failure. And at this point, if we were to write the book on our administration, it would be defined by this, much like Governor Blanchard in some ways was defined by his income tax increase that led to the recalls and then the Senate being taken by Republicans, which they still have today. Now she has more time to move forward, so the lessons that are learned from this are really important. It wasn't just explainable by the, the kind of argument du jour that uh, gerrymandering is controlling the legislature and therefore just being a, a Mr. No all day, every day. Um, we saw independents and, and Democrats also refusing to go along with that tax increase. Heck, we saw the leader of the Democrats and the Michigan House of Representatives declining to go along with that increase. And why are they doing that? A, they're seeing data that shows that voters beyond the Republican base are opposed to a tax increase. And that goes into the independents and the Democrats. And why is that? Um, they haven't been brainwashed by Republicans. I think what it really goes to, what I see, my observations are, that they just don't trust government, Stephen. They don't trust that the job will actually get done. And I, you I, hand I, over your money, and what will the result be? I think that's absolutely one of the things that drives the anti-tax sentiment, not just in the state, but but around the country, this sense that giving government more money doesn't actually get you better schools or roads or services. It just goes into the ether and they spend it on on what they want to. But, but isn't there a, a messaging... Isn't there a messaging drive behind that on the Republican side? In other words, haven't Republicans made a lot in the last several decades of the idea that government is wasteful or corrupt or inefficient? And voters are just kind of reflecting some of what they've been told by the people who are in charge. Uh, that's possible because people are dependent on what they hear um, in the news and from their leaders for what's going on. They don't have the time to see every detail of what's going on. But you know they're witnessing it themselves. We've gone through a number of government shutdowns. We got to revisit the history of those. Uh, 2007, 2009 shutdowns in Michigan. Uh, there have been national government shutdowns since then. And what people figure out is the government shuts down for a few days and it doesn't. they don't notice what it does. So they just kind of shrug. We could have five more shutdowns and a lot of people just be like, wow, big surprise. I called the police and they still came. Um, this billion dollar set of budget cuts that the governor just instituted. There's a serious danger there that she is assisting, in your words, probably the Republicans, in locking the people's minds that, oh, you can cut a bunch of money out of state government still, and the sun still rose today. Uh, the real problem is, where can they find a toehold to show that they can take your funding and do something good and build trust? Um, I think that's kind of a lost cause at the federal level. Hmm. Unfortunately, the state level, probably they probably have a slightly better chance, but my wife, God bless her soul, loves her 13-year-old truck, um, and it has no payments on it, and the insurance is low, and I'm thankful for that. But when she, gets her, when she had her birthday in July, she still got a $200 license plate fee that was part of the 2015 road funding package. 
and you're paying a giant amount on an old vehicle and you think, okay, well, I should not have any more potholes, right? <laughs> Except there are still potholes. And that is the problem with the gas tax increase now. It just, it should be a lesson. It needs to be of the fact that people are thinking, I cannot hand you more money and witness what happens. The only level of government that appears to be left that's trusted with people's money is at the local level. That's where we still are seeing some local road uh, millages pass and some other uh, tax and fee issues pass by the voters. And I think that's only because they still feel like they can hold the very local government accountable. They no longer feel like they can hold state or federal government accountable. Hmm. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is John Selleck, President and CEO of Harbor Strategic Public Affairs. He worked for Attorneys General Mike Cox and Bill Schuette, uh, also for Governor John Engler, and in the Michigan legislature. We're talking right now about the idea of taxes here in the state of Michigan. Are they high enough to produce the revenue to fund the priorities that all of us think we ought to be doing. Everybody seems to believe that we don't have enough money for roads, but when you ask people about, for instance, a 45-cent raise in the gas tax, they tend to change their minds a little bit about that and say, well, I think that doesn't work. Is that because people oppose the idea of taxes or is it because people are suspicious of government itself and its ability to spend the money we give government on the things that we think are important? Uh, as always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we will work you into the conversation. I want to get to some of these social media comments because there are a lot of them. Mega on Twitter says, I'm okay with tax increases to pay for education because that's an investment in the future and it can help improve that third part, that third part local government. Uh, Imara on Twitter says, no, what's necessary is to quit using funds earmarked for roads, education, etc., for projects of billionaires. Quit giving huge corporate tax breaks and allowing businesses to capture their employees' income tax. Let's collect the taxes owed by these folks. Morton Twitter says, Anyone who doesn't understand that higher taxes can result in more money in their pocket and a better quality of life needs to re-examine their thinking. That's especially true with infrastructure and education. And David on Twitter says, Yes, except the state GOP has cynically convinced enough people that you can still have nice things without paying for them. And it has ruined Michigan's infrastructure and severely hurt state social services and public education. Let's go back to the phones here. Uh, Scott. Scott and Novi, welcome to the program. Hi. Um, I, I love talking even though you got the 68 Tigers hat on. Um, <laughs> you know, I tell people all the time that um, the, if our grandparents or great-grandparents had the opinion on taxes that we have today, we would still be riding on dirt roads using outhouses. Uh, they understood the importance of the investment. We don't. Uh, so, you know, we, we, need to, we need to think about that a little clearer. So, uh, Scott, I, I appreciate the call and the thoughts. John Selleck, you, you were talking earlier about this idea of kind of a demonstration. In other words, that if government could pick something – and raise money for it and spend it appropriately and things were better on the other side of it, it might be sort of the foundation for 
better debates and discussions about how much revenue we want to raise and how much we don't. I think Scott is is getting at that in, in sort of the rearview mirror that that uh, previous generations of Americans did trust in government and they, they they provided the money that they needed to do big things in in some cases and that of course then made it easier to get money to do other things. I guess the question is how you sort of hit the reset button on that, right? Like, how do you go back to something like the National Highway Project, for instance, which built most of the interstates in in this country in the 50s and 60s, which, of course, the people had no problem paying for that because they mm-hmm. they saw the benefit. So, So what's the thing now, I guess, that would have the same effect? Well, the first reset would have been getting a new governor into office, which we did. Um, And the problem is that the hangover from the election was how much would gas taxes have to go up? And we know that Governor Whitmer in a debate said that she wouldn't raise gas taxes 20 cents a gallon. That would be ridiculous. And she fought back on that on Bill Schuette on television. And then the first thing that she came out with was more than double. And that is tough because I think that she probably just sat down with her advisors and they said, this is what has to be done. And she's pretty tough and brave. And she said, all right, I'll go out and do it. Let's just do it. Let's tear the bandit off and get it done. But that came before there was a conversation about not trusting government, about there being a new sheriff in town. Before, instead of just trying to convince people that there is a need for funding, there there needs to first be a conversation about, look, I understand you're not happy about this. I understand you're frustrated with folks that came before me but I am the new sheriff in town and I'm asking you to trust me and I need to have this. So let me listen to you and then I'll move on the gas tax. Um, but instead it came out right away. Um, you know, in hindsight is 2020, anybody who got elected governor is going to have a learning curve, um, about how to exercise power. Um, we're seeing a lot of talk about that in Lansing right now because the governor used the, the state ad board in her budget process. And the problem is that she and others all face a constant barrage of examples in government that make people just get frustrated is a polite word for it. Uh, If you follow, like you said, on social media, you see, for example, at Michigan State, I'm a Spartan, where a professor was here earlier. And the result of the, the, one of the results of the um, Nasser and Strample report from the federal government was that the provost had to step down. And the provost is gonna make $480,000 for being forced out of her job. And then she's gonna make 288,000 a year after that. She may be a great person, but to just people in general, when they hear that, they're like, wait a minute, this person in government lost their job and they're making a half million dollars a year. How, how do I justify this idea that somehow higher education's underfunded when I hear that? Mm. And that may be unfair to higher education, it's just one example, and there's a broad range of salaries that have to be competed with nationally. But that doesn't compute to the local regular person who's going to their job every day from eight to five and making $60,000. Because another stat that came up when I was looking at um, your first guest op-ed I thought about from last year was that the U.S. Census said that Michigan's median income is not even back to 2007 pre-recession levels. That is where you can argue all day long that taxation has really been generally dropping but th- what that means is people's incomes still aren't covering everything in a way that they are comfortable with. They know that their incomes haven't recovered. They know that their income is their median income in Michigan is five thousand dollars less than the national median. Those 
problems add up when you're trying to pay the bills every day. And then you hear, oh, here comes a gas tax, and I already don't trust that you're going to get it done. Hmm. So whoever is in charge, whether it was Governor Whitmer or not, are facing this constant barrage of, of cynicism. And it is going to take a sale job. She does have time being a four-year person instead of like a two-year person in the state house of representatives, but we've basically already burned the first year. Okay. We're going to take another quick break and we come back. We'll continue our conversation with John Selleck and with you, the callers about taxes here in the state of Michigan, whether it's time to raise those taxes. I'm also going to ask John about state and national politics. What is going on with the Republican party in Washington? Stay with us on Detroit today. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. As always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is John Selleck. He's president and CEO of Harbor Strategic Public Affairs. He worked for Attorneys General Mike Cox and Bill Schuette for Governor Angler and in the Michigan legislature. We've been talking about taxes here in the state of Michigan. Do we pay enough taxes to generate the revenue we need to fund the priorities we all care about? Or do you think... We pay plenty in taxes. It's just the way we spend the money that is the problem. We want to hear from you, continue to hear from you this hour. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Would you raise taxes here in the state of Michigan? Would you be okay with paying more taxes? Or are you feeling as though you pay enough and it would really be difficult for you to make things work in your household if your tax bill were higher. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work you into the conversation. Let's go to Linda in Davisburg. Linda, welcome to the show. Hi. Hey, how are you? Hi. I wanted to talk about the business tax. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I learned in high school um, how after the Depression and they raised taxes, like, you know, really high on businesses and so that the businesses could avoid paying taxes, they would invest in the communities and, uh, you know, build museums and hospitals and colleges. And, and uh, that's what made America great. And then Reagan came along with his trickle-down lie and cut taxes and, you know, businesses started making a lot more money, but they never really gave back to the little guy. And so now, you know, their CEOs and, the, you know, are making huge millions of dollars and their, you know, companies are making billions in profits. Yet the, their workers, the ones who are creating their wealth, um, are still getting paid just, you know, dirt, hmm. really. And, uh you know, they were talking a few years ago about how if the minimum wage had gotten raised with, along with the cost of living, that our minimum wage would be like $22, $23 an hour. Sure. So yeah. why couldn't we do something with the business tax where it's a fluctuating tax? If the CEOs are making, you know, so many more times more <laughs> than their lowest paid worker, then <clears throat> it would be based on, you know, on that and they would get tax higher if they're uh yeah the that's an interesting yeah a, a lot a bigger range and some if sort they're, of 
Yeah, some you know, sort of calibrated. Then they would get taxed less. Yeah. Linda, I think that's an interesting idea. I appreciate you calling. I especially like your focus, though, on this idea of how business interacts with government uh, and and with uh, individuals to, to, to sort of play the role it's supposed to in the economy. John Selleck, I'll ask you the same issue about the same issue we talked with Ron Fisher about. We've given business $1.8 billion worth of tax breaks. Uh, in the last 10 years, just to kick off the Snyder administration, he said that was going to grow the pie. He said that would provide more tax revenue to do the things that we want to do. That hasn't happened in a single year since that tax passed. Now, I understand that there are a lot of other things that he didn't know were going to come up uh, as as over the term that he was the two terms that he was in office that that took away from that business tax, but isn't the fact that the tax didn't do what it was supposed to the tax break didn't do what it was supposed to is that a reason to reconsider it? Well, first you have to remember the state of the state of Michigan when Governor Snyder took office. It was in a bad place. Unemployment was high. Um, the economy was not moving. Today you're looking around. Uh, Main Street, and there are signs everywhere saying help wanted. Um, the economy grew and got more active and provided more jobs. Um, and even in, even though I said that we're still behind the median income, our median income levels have risen um, since then coming back. So the economy overall has benefited folks from those tax cuts because of the way that Michigan's job providers have grown. Um, what will happen going forward if people now say, okay, well, we got rid of Governor Snyder. The economy is really rocking. Let's raise taxes. And so much of life is about timing. You can't. You don't see that that this being the ideal time because we're already hearing whispers throughout the media. They are pushing the smallest facts they can find to try to charge up the presidential election. Say there are here warning signs that there could be a recession. Um, every day that you turn on the cable news, you see another example of whoa. Is this a warning sign? Is this a red flag of a recession? So. Even if you wanted to make the argument that the economy has recovered to the point that now we should swing the pendulum a little bit the other way, timing (laughs) is sometimes tough. And the idea that you could now come back right now and raise taxes to make up for some perceived um, advantage to the business, um, it doesn't seem like that is good timing. But businesses over the last seven or eight years in this state have made a lot of money. They've made an awful lot of money, and every indicator shows how much money they've made. And that that money, of course, has helped raise CEO pay and stock payouts, all of the things that people at the top end of the economic scale count on. It hasn't made as much difference for people at the lower end of the scale, and it has made almost no difference for government. So two of the three constituencies it was supposed to help are still waiting for that to kick in. If that's not the right time to think about it, what what is? Well, there are a lot of CEOs out there that have made themselves right-picking for attention on that issue. There's no doubt about it. I think that that is a strong element of how President Trump did so well in Macomb County amongst the blue-collar workers. I just saw a story the other day, I think it was from MLive, saying there's a lot of support on the UAW strike lines for President Trump when they're asked. Um, So there definitely is pressure for something like that to happen. That's an example of why Elizabeth Warren has risen up. That's why Bernie Sanders had risen up before her. Um, And we're going to continue to see that kind of pressure 
um, looking at that top level um, issue. But that seems to be more of a national issue to be confronted with CEO pay than it is at the state level, or that, that the idea that state government would seek to punish national corporations for what Congress should be doing. Uh, again, uh, thanks very much, Linda, for the call and the questions. Let's go quickly to John in Windsor. John, I'm running out of time. Uh, here, good morning, Stephen. Yeah, yeah great ahead. show. So I'm a dual citizen. Um, <clears throat> my residence also in North Carolina. Um, why do I live in Canada? Because we have a really balanced plurality society. Um, we don't see extremes of economic um, problems that occurs in the U.S. Yeah, I pay high taxes. I pay higher booze. I pay higher gas. Check the roads out in Ontario. You know, they're far better. Um, nothing's free. It costs money to live. So this concept of let's just have less taxes and less money is going to grow um, the society. I just can't buy into that whatsoever. Hmm. That's that's my comments. John, I appreciate uh, the call and the question and the comments, uh, John Selleck. That's uh, again back to this idea of the value proposition that people feel. It's interesting to me that just across the river in Canada, the value proposition between people and the government looks a little different than it does here. They are willing or more willing to pay for uh, to pay for things and to have better to have better stuff because of it. Than, than people are are here, and I think you're right that we have broken that value proposition between mm-hmm. uh, Americans and 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 our government. Um, right, because I don't think that people here think they're unwilling to pay. They think they're paying a ton. They just don't believe it's being used the right way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got a minute left, but I I really cannot let you go without getting your reaction to impeachment in Washington and what you would be telling Republicans now about standing by the president. Well, I think the, um, the, the break in Congress and seeing the Congress people come back to their districts, watching what Alyssa Slotkin has gone through in her three town halls that have been massively attended, they essentially are not just pep rallies for her decision to jump into the impeachment fray, but they've become kind of pep rallies for the opposition to that. And they have been head-to-head battles at every one of these things. Um, I live in Livingston County, uh, obviously a red county, but one that um, has experienced some slippage in 2018. I was driving through downtown Howell, and there was a guy who actually had like a, the equivalent of a lemonade stand on the side of the main road saying, stop here to support President Trump. Mm. <laughs> so, the, so, the battle so, is, is raising each side's intensity super, yeah. super high. And what we don't know is how it's going to affect those folks in the middle that just can barely follow politics right. and don't know to trust what will happen the next day. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to have to have you back to talk more about that issue. I think you've got a lot of great insights into how that will play out in the next year. But John Selleck, always great to have you here with us on Detroit Today. Thank you so much. All right. Come back tomorrow and we're going to talk with Johns Hopkins health policy expert, Dr. Marty Marquet, who says almost half of all our federal spending is ultimately spent on health care. And we're going to take your calls and comments about whether a single-payer healthcare system is the way to fix our healthcare in this country. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.